The Islanders fall to the Panthers 3-1 in their season opener. We'll break down the game and tell you why everything isn't the same as it was a year ago. Plus, we'll discuss the team ceremonies commemorating the 50th anniversary of the franchise and preview this weekend's game against the Ducks. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sart tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could be with us today. And thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We've got a lot to discuss on today's show, but first, if there's something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the show, feel free to send us an email. The email address Address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings throughout the upcoming season. And uh, we'll have it for you here on the show every Monday through Friday and, of course, on Twitter. A disappointing 3-1 to loss to the Florida Panthers in the season opener. Not going to lie, I was a little more optimistic. Those of you who heard yesterday's show uh, certainly knew that I, I did pick the Islanders to win the game. And it was a disappointment that they came up short. And... Look, there were some aspects of this game that were eerily similar, let's put it that way, to what we saw a year ago, and that is certainly discouraging, but there were a lot of things about this game that were also different. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, Ross Johnston, they were the uh, scratched players, they did not play the defense remained sound. There were some highlights and there were some uh, things that were frustrating to watch. One thing I liked was, well, the biggest thing that I think was different. This team did seem to be a little bit more offensive minded. Not a lot, mind you, but a little more 
offensive-minded. They attempted more longer stretch passes. That is something that under Barry Trotz you would not have seen much, if any, of. Uh, they also seem to be willing to shoot the puck a little bit more. And that's something that this team needed to do. It's something we've been talking about throughout the offseason. And to see them go out there and actually implement it a little bit. Officially, the Islanders credited with, for example, 16 shots on goal in the first period. That is definitely encouraging. Now, again, when you get to the final score and the game is over, it still was not enough. And, you know, overall, you get 33 shots on goal. That's not bad. You outshoot the Panthers, you know, 33 to 29. There is the, uh, you know, empty net goal to sort of clinch the win for the Panthers. So, among the positives, obviously, Ilya Sorokin, 26 saves in 28 shots faced. He did a very solid job. But the one real mistake he made, you know, that first goal was a deflection. But the second goal, you know, he got beat on a wraparound. And that's the kind of play that you can't get beat on. Uh, Matthew Barzal had four shots on goal in this game. That was encouraging. He played well for the most part, as did J.G. Pajot. And look, I, I saw some very good things from Alexander Romanov, starting with nine, count them, nine blocked shots, which is impressive. Add seven hits for Matt Martin, which I thought was good. He was hitting a lot, and, you know, there were some encouraging signs there. And the power play, you know, there were some power play situations where things were just bad, and you, you looked at it and you were just like, oh, boy, you know, they hardly even set up in the zone, couldn't control the puck, couldn't get things going, and that is true, but then, then, you had a, a, a situation where once they did get into the zone, again, they seemed a little more willing uh, to shoot the puck and attempt to move the puck a little bit better. So mixed review for the power play. The penalty kill uh, certainly did a, a solid job uh, killing off all the different penalties. Still too many penalties taken, though overall, and the fact that the only goal the Islanders got in this game did come with the extra attacker, Noah Dobson, getting it. They moved the puck very well on that power play opportunity. The lines, well, they were finally set. It was Nelson, Lee, and Bavillier, Barzal, Parise, and Palmieri, Pajot, Bellows, and Bailey, and then Sezikis, Martin, and Sashnikov, Clutterbuck, still injured, not ready to uh, get into the lineup just yet. The defensive pairings, Pelican, Pulak, Dobson, and Romanov, and then Mayfield and Salo. I am going to say this, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the negatives here. Uh, the biggest one to me was that, you know, you're, you're down one to nothing. 
you tie the game early in the third period on that power play goal by Dobson. And then 30 seconds later, Patrick Hornquist gets the wraparound goal. It just seems like the Islanders, you know, they were gunning for that tying goal, gunning for it. They get it. And, oh, they let down. And you can't do that. You absolutely cannot let down after you tie the game. That's when you have to go out there and assert yourself and show that, yeah, okay, we've got this game tied. Now we want to win it. Instead of like, oh, we tied the game. I guess that's over. Uh Uh-uh. That's not how it works. You're not going to do well against the team that won the President's Trophy a year ago. So... You know, if you let down after you finally tie the hockey game. So, some encouraging signs, some less so. But, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't enjoy saying it. But one of the problems remains the defense. The defense of Robin Sallow. Sallow only on the ice for 11 and a half minutes. He took two penalties and was a minus two and just gave the puck away a couple of times. One of them ended up in the back of the net. Did not play great positional defense. And, you know, I I, I think he's good at moving the puck, but in his own zone, not what you want to see tonight. The performance from Robin Sallow. Furthermore, give me a guess, Islander fans. You can buzz in. Who had the least amount of ice time out of any player in this game? If you said Kiefer Bellows, you were right. Now, Bellows did have three hits in his limited ice time, but seven minutes and 16 seconds. You know, we thought or we hoped that younger players like Bellows and Wallstrom, if Wallstrom gets back into the lineup, were going to get a bigger opportunity to see the ice. Seven minutes and 16 seconds. Not getting it done. Now, that being said, did Bellows play an exceptionally good game? No. But, again, frustrating to say the least to see it was like deja vu all over again that the guy who gets the least amount of ice time is Kiefer. Bellows, Sashnikov, Nikita Sashnikov playing in his first game as an Islander. Three hits, uh, 11.06 of ice time. There were chances. This team had chances, but I still don't see them finishing enough to get the job done. We've got more to discuss on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll have a a few more takeaways. We'll preview the game, and we'll talk a little bit about the ceremonies that the Islanders had before the game uh, to celebrate the start of the season and the start of the team's 50th anniversary season. We've got that and a whole lot more still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute info for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, and now that hockey is back, hockey. Head to the betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. 
Bet Online, where the game starts. So, we had one fan, uh, Charlie, who has written in uh, a few times before, uh, not happy. Not happy. Uh, Gil, as a season ticket holder, this team is an embarrassment, he writes. Lou better get on the phone with the Blackhawks. This team needs someone to lead them and give them offense. They lost every battle along the boards, and honestly, the score should have been 6-1. to one. The only thing that can save this team is Patrick Kane. They need someone that has a Stanley Cup pedigree. UBS will be empty soon if Lou doesn't get something done. Overpay. I don't have a problem with that. This is lousy and boring hockey. Charlie, uh, thanks for the email. Look, it was a frustrating game in a lot of ways. I did try to paint some positives there uh, earlier in the podcast. Is Patrick Kane the answer? You know, you talk about the leadership and the Stanley Cup pedigree. Yeah, maybe he will help the team, but does he make them a Stanley Cup contender? Because if he doesn't, it's another older and expensive player. Yeah, he's, his game hasn't fallen off yet, but would he help them offensively right now? Absolutely. Two, three, four years from now, would it hurt the team? Probably. And uh, again, if, if this team is in the hunt for the playoffs when we get closer to the trade deadline, I could totally see Lou Lamorello making a trade for a goal scorer but I don't think it's going to happen this early in the season. As far as the pregame was concerned, great to see Ralph Macchio, the karate kid, out there, a longtime, lifelong Islanders fan who, you know, has been with the team at many games, and great to see him there and, and, and speak his piece. Ed Westfall, the team's first-ever captain, their first choice in the expansion draft back in 1972. Dropping the first puck, very appropriate, very happy to see uh, 18 out there for the ceremonial puck drop, and he looked like he was just loving every minute of it. Uh, but I really expected more from the team, whether it was the video presentation, that you know siren that they were, were winding up to make noise before the game that just sounded like it was half dead. Uh I, I thought they could have done a lot more with the pregame ceremony. Now, maybe that's because of the way it played out on TV. You really couldn't hear the fans at the game making a lot of noise. Uh, I think they kind of muted the, the, the fans, which was a little bit of a disappointment. But overall, uh, seeing Ralph Macchio and John Tanelli with the pregame siren, I like the idea I didn't like the way the thing sounded. Maybe they can get that fixed up. But, you know, to have a Long Island celebrity and lifelong Islanders fan there with John Tonelli, who won four Stanley Cups with the Isles, that was positive. I would still like to see, would have liked to have seen a few more, maybe of the original Islanders come back for the season opener uh, or some more of the alumni. But again, let's see how the team handles the rest of it. Uh, as far as this 50th anniversary uh, season is concerned. I definitely liked the fact in this game, getting back to the game, uh, that the Islanders out-hit the Panthers 37-15. They had a lot of block shots. They were willing to pay the price in that respect. Uh, so there were some positives there. But, uh, boy, disappointing way 
to start the season for sure. Now, the Islanders' next game will be against the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, look, the Ducks, one of those teams that is sort of in a rebuilding mode, they did win their first game, a 5-4 to four, uh, overtime victory at home over the Seattle Kraken. And Anaheim is a team with some very talented players. Uh, we'll see ex-Islander Ryan Strom, who played with the Rangers last year. Obviously, Trevor Zegras, uh, Troy Terry. There, there are some darn, and Mason McTavish, some darn good players in this lineup. And we'll hopefully be able to get a little more offense going against a an Anaheim team that sometimes struggles defensively. Not sure whether or not they come back with John Gibson, who played in the first game in goal, or they go with their backup, Anthony Stolarz. The line combinations in that first game for Anaheim, their top line, Zegris, Adam Henrique, and Frank Vetrano. Ryan Strom centering the second line with Mason McTavish and Troy Terry. Isaac uh, Lundstrom and Max, uh, is the center on the third line with Maxine Comtois, and, and Jakob Silverberg on either side of him, and then Derek Grant, Max Jones, and Pavel Regenda make up the third line. The defensive pairings, Cam Fowler and John Klingberg, a solid top pairing, followed by Dmitry Kulikov and Jamie Drysdale. Nathan uh, Bielo and Kevin Shattenkirk are the third pairing. A little too soon to get into uh, statistics right now. Uh, they did score... Uh, you know, a couple of power play goals in that season opener. Also gave up uh, some goals on the PK. So special teams, uh, again, possible opening there. But the Islanders' PK was strong in game one. And they're going to have to be strong again against the Ducks. It is a home game. It is on Saturday night. And realistically, it's a 7.30 Eastern time start again. Realistically, the Islanders are going to have to get out there and play their kind of hockey. One thing the Islanders have to do a little bit more is dictate the style of play and the pace of play. They did that for the second half of the first period against the Panthers and for a few stretches in the third, but overall I still think Florida was playing more of their style, even though there were some bright spots for the Isles. That has to change in order for the Islanders to bounce back and win. And I'll say this. No, it's not a must-win game uh, when you're talking about, you know, the second game of an 82-game schedule. But let's get this out of the way. You don't want to go 0-2 or start to, you know, start the season off on a long losing streak. Getting two points on Saturday night is going to be important for the New York Islanders. We have got more to get to on today's show. We have our Islanders birthday of the day and some final thoughts about this opening game. We have an offensive defenseman uh, who is unfortunately no longer with us, but played for the Islanders in the early to mid-90s. We've got all that and a whole lot more still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast.
Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. And, uh, well, this would have been... Uh, today would have been the 60th birthday of former Islanders defenseman Tom Curvers. Curvers, uh, a native of Minneapolis, Minnesota, drafted by the Montreal Canadiens in the seventh round of the 1981 NHL draft after four solid seasons at Minnesota Duluth uh, of the uh, WCHA, some good college hockey, had 18 goals and 76 points as a defenseman in his senior year in just 43 games. So that was impressive. The following year made his NHL debut, had 45 points, 10 goals, 45 points in 75 games as a rookie. Played for Montreal, Buffalo, the Devils, the Maple Leafs, and the Canucks before landing with the Islanders in 91-92. Stayed with the team for three seasons and was a part of that big 1993 run to the conference final for the New York Islanders. After leaving the Islanders, spent one season with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, as they were then known, and then played in Japan uh, in 1995-96 before hanging up his skates. For his NHL career, Curvers had 659 games, 93 goals, 421 points, 352 penalty minutes. You had 57 playoff games, uh, 8 goals, 30 points and 68 penalty minutes for Tom Curvers there. And, you know, the thing about Curvers, uh, he was a solid offensive defenseman and really knew uh, how, to, how to move the puck and pass the puck. He wasn't always the best player in his own zone, but he certainly knew what to do, was a member of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, you know, basically uh, when they won a Stanley Cup in 1986, but did not play uh, in the playoffs that year. So was on the cup-winning team, but did not play in the playoffs uh, in part due to injuries. So a little disappointing there. Uh Curvers, unfortunately, um, passed away from a, a rare form of cancer and died at the age of 58 on June 21st of 2021. We are going to go back and look at one of Tom Curvers' better games as an Islander. It's January 23rd, 1993, and the Philadelphia Flyers come into the Nassau Coliseum. It's... Uh, Tommy Soderstrom, who will later be with the Islanders, in goal for the Flyers, Mark Fitzpatrick, the netminder for the Islanders. And our Islanders' birthday of the day, Tom Curvers gets things started by taking a holding penalty, and Rod Brindamore scores for the Flyers on the power play. His 21st from Greg Hawgood and Gary Galley. It's 1-0 Philadelphia. But the Islanders' power play strikes back. Uh basically with Joseph Baranek in the box. Brad Delgardo pots a power play goal. His eighth, Pierre Turgeon and Marty McGinnis with the assist were even at one. Then, uh, less than a minute later, Travis Green, his fourth, unassisted, Islanders up by a goal. 
The Islanders get on the power play again. Ryan McGill off for roughing. And Tom Curvers, our Islanders' birthday of the day. His third of the year from Pat Flatley and Steve Thomas at 14:44, And it's 3-1 Islanders. Flatley makes it 4-1, 18-01 into the opening period. His eighth from Benoit Hogue and Tom Curvers, our Islanders' birthday of the day. But the Flyers get a late power play after Dennis Vasky heads off for interference. Mark Recchi scores his 29th. Brent Fedick and Gary Galla, the assist at 19:41, And it's 4-2 Isles after one. The Flyers tie it in the second period. A quick goal by uh, Joseph Berenek, his third from Dmitry Yuskevich, and then Tommy Soderstrom makes it 4-3. And then Steve Thomas heads off for tripping. Rod Brindamore, his second of the game, 22nd of the year, on the power play from Kevin Deneen and Gary Galley. We're all even at four. But Scott Lachance gets the Islanders back the lead. His fifth, Marty McGinnis and Travis Green, the helpers at 1432. Isles up 5-4 after 40 minutes of play in the third. McGinnis, his third from Benoit Hogue at 150. Then the power play goes to work with a delay of game call against Tommy Soderstrom of Philadelphia. Our Islanders' birthday of the day, Tom Curvers, his fourth from Uwe Krupp and Pierre Turgeon. That makes it 7-4. And then another power play goal in the closing minutes. Ryan McGilloff for cross-checking. Benoit Hogue, his 17th from... Our Islanders' birthday of the day, Tom Curvers and Jeff Norton. Isles skate away with an 8-4 win for Tom Curvers. Two goals, two assists. That's a four-point night uh, for Tom Curvers. Two of the goals, both of them on the power play. And he had six shots on goal to lead all Islanders players. Next up was Travis Green, who had four Mark Fitzpatrick, 32 saves in this one. Isles outshot by the Flyers, 36-31. But they get the 8-4 win in part because of a strong performance by Tom Curvers. So uh, on what would have been his 60th birthday, we wish the best uh, to Tom Curvers. A happy 60th birthday in heaven. Uh, He is our Islanders' birthday of the day. Hopefully the Islanders bounce back and have a better performance against the Ducks. This wasn't a bad game. It wasn't great. There were problems with it. Uh, The Islanders certainly need to pick it up a notch, I think, as far as finishing goes. But there were some things to be encouraged about. Hopefully they build on it. Lane Lambert, you could see what we expected in a lot of ways. The, the, the overall system is fundamentally the same, but the uh, team is willing to take a few more chances offensively. Hopefully that becomes uh, something that leads to more goals. And I think the team overall also, and this is very important after last year, they did a better job clearing the puck out of their own zone and causing transition. Robin Salo at times was an exception to that. Uh, I, I think Alexander Romanov started off sluggish in his own zone, but certainly picked it up as the game went along. But overall, improvement in transition, which we needed to see. Uh, again, addition by subtraction by not having the two older, slower defensemen 
uh, in Andy Green and Zdeno Ochara uh, in the lineup, I think, helped with that. But there is there are things to build on. Now it's up to the Islanders to go out and build on them. So hopefully they will. Thanks again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone bring you the, the fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice Monday through Friday. It's available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.